You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. We're talking games and movies and actors. Words. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host this episode. I am so excited for you to listen to this episode featuring RJ White. RJ White is the CEO of Vipers Pro Men's Basketball Team, centrally located in Gurney, Illinois. RJ has collaborated with over 36 clubs. Vipers Pro Basketball has exposure in 12 countries and has reached 3.1 million in analytics. RJ White has aspirations of NBA G League team ownership and has additionally purchased a men's division team in the UK. She's the first black woman in history to do so. In this episode, we are also talking about cryptocurrency and the blockchain network, which is something I feel like we should be talking about more in the Black Girl Nerds community. So stay tuned for more information on that later. But for now, sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. Yes, I am actually hosting this episode. Ryan is not here today, but the reason why I'm I'm hosting this episode of the show is because I'm really passionate about something called cryptocurrency. And you probably don't know that about me, um, but it is something that I'm passionate about. And our guest on this episode is also passionate about that, but she does so many more things beyond cryptocurrency. Uh, But that is why I am on uh, this episode because I really wanted to sort of dig in and, you know, kind of get some information from her about what she's doing. And I'm really pleased to speak with our guest, RJ White. Uh, RJ White is the CEO of Vipers Pro Men's Basketball Team, which is located in Gurney, Illinois. She has collaborated with over 36 clubs and Vipers Pro Basketball has exposure in 12 countries and has reached 3.1 million in analytics. RJ White has aspirations of the NBA G League team ownership and has recently purchased uh, the men's division team in the UK and is the first black woman in history to do so. RJ, welcome to the Black Girl Nerds podcast. (laughs) Thank you for having me. That was probably one of the best intros that I've had. I appreciate you for having me. I appreciate you being here. Uh, I I, I want to start first with a disclaimer because we are going to be talking about crypto, um, which is something that you're passionate about. And of course, we're going to talk about your accolades with Vipers Pro uh, basketball team. But uh, for our listeners, you know, we are going to be talking about cryptocurrency. We're going to be talking about Bitcoin. Please do not what 
do please do not take what we say as financial advice. Okay. This episode is for entertainment purposes. So, um, you know, do your due diligence when you listen to us talking about various tokens and coins and protocols and projects, uh, because we are not financial experts. And again, this is an entertainment centric episode talking about those things. Okay. Got that out the way. (laughs) So RJ, um, first, tell me what led you to get involved with sports team ownership in the first place? You know, I have been wanting to own a team since like a little tyke. And I always tell the story about how most kids play with Barbies or fire trucks or baby dolls. And I was making collage boards and, uh, you know, with NBA teams about how my team was going to look. So I've been wanting to own a team for a minute. Like I just didn't have, um, you know, being a younger person, you didn't, I didn't have the, the resources, you know, to do it at that age. Um, and I, I just, how I grew up, I wasn't able to just, you know, readily have information like we have right now. You know, now we got the internet, we can Google you got, you know, the libraries, you can go to the library. But uh, back then, you know, um, I'm an 80s baby. <laughs> we were just being introduced to color TV. So um, it was just one of those things where it's like, okay, get as much knowledge as you can from watching, um, from learning, seeing how, you know, others are running, you know, their organizations, you know, via TV, of course. And when you, the first chance you get the opportunity to do your fair share of research, run with it. And that's, that's what I did. <laughs> And that's how the Vipers are here. <laughs> that's that's awesome. That is just amazing. I, I'm very just intrigued by the fact that here you are a woman in a predominantly male industry and you are, you know, basically creating your own. You're not asking for a seat at the table. Um, tell us a little bit about Vipers pro basketball team and what are the differences between the current league you manage and an NBA G League? Because I've, I've actually never heard that term before. So I'm a little ignorant to that. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. So the Vipers is a pro men's basketball team. They are considered a semi-pro team. Um, semi-pro is, you know, obviously semi-half. So when you look at the NBA, that is a, you know, a full-fledged pro team, okay? When you think of G League, G League is also, um, in my ideology, is a semi-pro team as well, okay? However, the Vipers is also a semi-pro. So we are already on a lateral effect. The only thing that is uh, different from the Vipers and the NBA G League team right now is the fact that the G League is ran under the NBA and under NBA's budget, right? The Vipers is actually an independent standalone um, team. Now we are, during certain times of the year, we uh, orchestrate under the ABA, which the ABA is um, American Basketball Association, and they were the actual beginning foundation for the NBA. So without ABA, there would have been no NBA. The NBA came in and bought out the ABA, and they reignited the ABA in like the early 2000s. Once I seen they were reigniting, I was like, okay, they already were great enough to be bought by the NBA. They have the opportunity for minorities to own teams within their league. I'm seeing some of the teams, you know, as they develop, you know, they're going into, you know, um, competitiveness and they're going into presence. So I said, okay, this is a league for me to go under. Like I did my share of research. I, you know, I Googled the ABA, you know, um, it isn't a hundred percent the full fledged ABA 
as it was when the NBA bought it, because back then I think they were in like arenas and, you know, you had guys like Dr. J and Garvin and all those guys. But my team, as far as like Vipers Pro Basketball is a high performing team. The CEO will, you know, will, um, you know, vouch to say so that we are one of the highest producing teams. We are accountable for the most players going overseas from our organization. And we have one of the largest media presence at 3.1 million in analytics for our reach on who keeps up with the Vipers. So we're definitely trying to create a lane. Um, So to answer your question, the NBA G League is a semi under the NBA, but the Vipers is lateral to the G League. And with uh, being a part of the NBA G League, does that give you more visibility as far as media appearances? You mentioned budget. So are you playing in larger arenas? How does that all work under their Mm -hmm. umbrella? It does. So my overall goal is to own an NBA G League. And you actually hit the nail on the nose with that one of why I want to own an NBA G League team. Um, Right now with the league that we're in, it would, it's, it's, you know, yeah, you could have a four or five million dollar budget (laughs) but you'll probably be holding on to most of that money for the next three four years like opposed to the nba you are in arenas you know all of your home games are in arenas you have a a, you know anywhere between 60 to 80 game schedule um you're traveling which uh is kind of you know lateral to what we do with the vipers as well like we we're going into eight different states for our team as a standalone i want to say for the G League, they're anywhere between 14, and sometimes 30, you know, so it does vary, I guess, with the NBA because you have, um, you know, more to play with, if that makes sense. Um, when you have anything like the NBA behind you and bagging you and financially supporting you, the world is your oyster, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. the that's the only thing that we are missing is that, you know, that bagging, if that makes sense. And that's what we're aiming for. And conversations are being had. Do you find that uh, being a manager of a semi-pro league is easier as a woman and as a Black woman than it would be going the uh, NBA G League route? And and what is what is the disparities between um, men, male ownership and female ownership when it comes to uh, semi-pro basketball? Because we kind of see where it's going when it comes to white and Black ownership. Yeah, um, I feel like it's the same. Like in all ownership right now, you have a very select amount of millennials. Okay. You have a very small number of creativity. Okay. You have a very small number of innovativeness. I mean, a good way to answer this is when was the last time you you have been to an NBA game? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Like <laughs> That answers a lot of questions on how that, you know, that um, appealing, like the appealingness of you wanting to get up and go out to an NBA game Mm -hmm. isn't quite there yet. And that's because they are not able to grasp that audience to get us, you know, into their arena. It's like, what do you have to do? And I've I've figured out the sequence for that. Like for us, we're we're at about twenty seven hundred people per game. I'm sure it's it's more when you talk about fifteen thousand versus 2,700 though, you know, cause it's an arena, but I have more to work with or would have more to work with. Um, to answer your other question about being a female in the ratio, um, there are about three, maybe four owners right now, females. I'm the youngest that uh, that's in the ABA, okay? As far as females owners within the G League, I could be missing them. <laughs> 
but I have yet to hear or see about these individuals that may own them. And if there is a owner, I still would say in an instance, if I'm given the opportunity, I would be the first African-American female team owner in the G League. Wow. Wow. We're we're rooting for you on that one. Um, And that is definitely needed. Um, (laughs) So You've done something that's quite phenomenal with your team, which is paying the salaries of your players in Bitcoin. What gave you the idea to do that? Innovativeness. Because, you know, the number one thing that I always said about when I got the team was uh, it was it was a few things. It was making sure that I had the presence that the the fan base was okay with. Okay, because like if I'm if I have a pro team. I want to know what's going on with the pro team, not all the logistics, but like, okay, where are they this week? You know, I want some behind the scene B-roll, you know, I want to know when I can do a meet and greet. Like a lot of things that, that has uh, become a thing is pro athletes are getting away from the media and away from their audience. They're, it's like the reason they're going there is to see these people, right? (laughs) But they're shying away from even having that conversation, communication, um, remember when they used to do meet and greets and stuff like that, where you could meet your favorite player, they stopped doing all of that. Yeah. Times have changed, but so I said to myself, I never wanted to be that, you know, that type of owner. I want people to be able to, you know, uh, meet our players, be around our players, know who I am, um, you know, have a presence. And then I said to myself, okay, be innovative. And when I'm talking to our guys, I'm like, you know, what are you guys, you know, what are you guys doing? Like what, you know, what's new, what's current. And they're like, oh, you know, we're buying um, one of the guys. What did he say? He was buying off a of Bitcoin. I think he was like grocery shopping or he was like shopping. I think he was shopping at Target or Walmart or something. But he was like doing an exchange through Bitcoin to buy like his household products. And I thought that was like one of the coolest things. Because I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is me when I'm first getting into like the whole Bitcoin effect. I'm like, so you telling me you just bought tissue, you know, light bulbs, washing detergent, all of this stuff through, through a Bitcoin account? And he's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I'm out here giving y'all cash <laughs> or <laughs> credit or paychecks or whatever you want to say, you know, when in all actuality, like you guys would prefer to gain interest and trade and, you know, build a portfolio. Cause we were just joking around me and the coaches. And I said, you know, I wonder how many of our guys have 401ks, you know? So we'd start asking randomly like, yo, have you built a 401k? And they're like, what's that? Now, mind you, this is this is the mm-hmm. times we're in. Right. I know my father and my father's father, my mother, my mother's mom. I know they're all cringing right now because they're like, what? No financial security for the future. You don't care about 401k. You're not interested in 401k. What's wrong with this generation, right? But like this generation is looking for more freedom, right? And they're looking for more innovative ways to make their money stretch for them. Hence, most millennials aren't moving out. You know, like they're still staying at home with parents because they're able to save money. Uh, the conundrum of you're 18 and you're grown, get out. I think that's, that's slowly dissipating and you'll see more wealth being generated. And as I said to myself, like, okay, you got to get, you know, you got to jump in here. You got to get into the now. You got to know what people are doing and what's current. Um, and so Bitcoin was the first thing to come up. And I said, okay, who wants their bonuses in Bitcoin? Everybody looked at me like, who's going to say no? <laughs> They're like, everybody, my whole staff, all of our players, they were like, yeah, we, we would all, 
we all have created a cash app. We've all created, you know, a Bitcoin account. Like, let us know what we need to do next. So that's kind of where that came from. <laughs> it's a smart move. And, and it's so interesting that you touched on 401k because it's almost as if Bitcoin for some people now is like the new 401k. And, mm-hmm. you know, you could argue and say, oh, well, why would you say that? It's it's unstable. You know, the, the value increases and then it drops significantly. But then, you know, historically, you look at some of companies in the past where employees have had a 401k with the company and have been completely liquidated when that company has not uh, been very honest with their financials, you know, and Ron yeah. is a perfect example of that. And I'm sure there's many others to name, but um, so, you know, th- it might be a small sample, but 401k isn't always as stable as you may think. So for some people that may not even necessarily know about a 401k or maybe are interested in earning, you know, their retirement at a faster pace, Bitcoin in some respects could be sort of like the new 401k. Um, I I definitely agree with it. Like think of the way that currency has changed. We went from carrying gold, you know, heavy gold bricks, right? To cashing that in for coins, right? From cashing in coins to dollars and from dollars to what? Stock, stock to 401k and now crypto. Like anything new is, you know, it's, it's feared, you know, what they say, people fear what they don't know. So yeah, I'm sure they say that, but but those I, that invest in crypto, we like it. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And just to clarify before people come after me, I'm not saying that you should not have a 401k. Like that is not no. what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you work at a job and you have a 401k, by all means, you need to definitely set one up. Uh, but there are a lot of people now, especially, you know, in, in our digital age where people are entrepreneurs, they are content creators on YouTube, you know, they're you know, they're independent contractors. They Mm -hmm. may not have a 401k set up. So um, in lieu of that, this could be a way of setting up a 401k is building a a crypto portfolio. Um, It's funny too, that, I mean, it's not funny. It's, it's actually very smart that your team chose that route because Bitcoin, of course, as we know, has substantially increased in value over the years and you mm-hmm. had mentioned how people think it's a scam and, you know, there's, there's something that's not quite right. I was one of those people. <laughs> I, <laughs> really? was of, I was one of those people because I will never forget and shout out to Carolyn Malachi. If you're ever listening to this, I wish I listened to you. She's the singer on the theme song of our podcast from way back in the day. Uh, the song finally is by her, but she had, talk to me over the phone. This was back in, I think, 2015. And she told mm. me about Bitcoin. And I was one of those people that was like, this sounds scammy to me. This doesn't, <laughs> like, it's not regulated by the SEC. I'm like, um, no, why would I look at something like this? Why would I promote this on my platform? And back then, I think Bitcoin was like 300 and something dollars. <laughs> yeah 2015 so and it's now what over 60k right now yeah Um, it just got to 65 I think so yeah at this current recording so it's just sort of interesting how bitcoin has just completely made this um journey into the space but 
it, it's not just Bitcoin. There's a lot of alternative coins out there too that's making their mark. Um, I, I wanted to know your opinion too about this recent news that came out about the Staples Center in Los Angeles. It's going to be renamed crypto.com, which hmm. is to me going to kind of normalize crypto as we know it. What, what are your thoughts and opinions on that? I think it's, I feel like LA has always been a hub for innovativeness. Like if you think about what Los Angeles is, like you have some of the best, you know, schools, you got USC out there, you got all of these, you know, all of these kids that they have the foundation to explore new financial opportunity. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm sure a lot of that conversation that swayed them to make that decision came from the, okay, how can I get y'all into this arena? <laughs> and they're probably like, well, whatever it is, it has to go through my phone, you know, because we ain't going out unless it's in our hand, right? Or it's easy to access to get there. So I think it's a smart idea. I think it's very innovative. Um, the name ain't that catchy, but I do feel <laughs> like I do feel like I know where they're going with that. And if it's anything of what I think it would be, which being able to purchase you know, anything through crypto for that facility, I think that would be probably one of the dopest projects I've ever heard. And I would literally, most likely you'll catch me at like a grand opener or something like that for that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I have to read up more on it. And this news literally just came in today, but I'm guessing the name is because of the current exchange crypto.com. And maybe Mm. those people are involved in the acquisition or the name change or whatever with Staples. So yeah, that that's just interesting. Wow, (laughs) that a whole arena, yeah, is named that. So yeah, Bitcoin is obviously catching on as a means of exchange for so many financial institutions, but yet there's still hesitation and even misinformation about cryptocurrency. Why do you think that is? A lot of times when people fear something, it's kind of like, <laughs> and I know this might be so far off, okay, but stay with me here. It's like that new kid in school, right? You don't know kind of like you hear the city that this person has come from. Um, and, and, and we've all been here at some point, okay? And the new person in school and you're like, okay, they're from such and such, such and such state or city, whatever, okay? And people kind of watch you, you know, to see, how do they do things in that state or in that city? Like, how do you, you know, what do you do? How do you act? You know, like no one ever wants to be the first person to introduce themselves. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Everybody kind of wants to just watch and see how things go. And if it pans out, it pans. But I feel like everybody, even with cryptocurrency, they're doing the same thing. They were like, okay, we don't really know how to take it. You know, like, maybe it's going to work. Maybe it isn't. I don't want to be the person to bag it just in case it goes down. Then they're going to say, I put my name on it. No one wants to take that leap of saying, okay, I support whatever it is, if that makes sense. So that's why I think the the situation is. Yeah. I I feel like there's just not enough financial literacy out there. You know, like Mm -hmm. I'm curious to know if there are public schools that are teaching cryptocurrency, which I I highly doubt. I mean, I've been out of school for a minute, but uh, I'm there bad. was there was there was a lady in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, her name was Mrs. Roberts. I think her, I think her name is Nigel Roberts. Um, she has uh, I want to say it's called Crypto Kids Club. Um, don't quote me on that, but I know her name is Nigel Roberts, and that's actually what she does. And 
when we first jumped into the industry, I called her. Like, I didn't know her from who shot John. And I was just like, yo, like, <laughs> I'm about to play my, pay my players, like, in crypto. Like, I know what crypto is, but, you know, like, I don't think that they know much besides the fact that they know how to spend it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't mm-hmm. think they know how far out this is going to go and how this is going to expand them if they allow it to, you know, occur uh interest or to just grow their portfolio and she you know she she welcomed us with a call uh my coach uh he's a former u.s navy coach um and that's his first time <laughs> dealing with cryptocurrency he like crypto who crypto what like but the way she broke it down and explained it all to us we were like okay and that's why they say knowledge is power you know what i'm saying because if anybody else were to say, okay, I'm paying you in cryptocurrency, they're like, no, I don't want that. I don't want my regular paycheck. Like, but when you lay out the foundation of what is to become, um, most of the guys even said, like, you know what, I'm gonna let it sit, let it sit and grow. And you never hear Dang. culturally, okay, culturally, you never hear us saying we're gonna sit on our money <laughs> and let it grow, right. you know? So right. Bitcoin is a new way. I like that. Total all the way. I mean, I, that's how I feel about crypto. Is I, I'm someone of the belief that I personally like to hold my crypto and let it grow like a plant. Mm-hmm. I, uh, <laughs> um, I'm not a trader. I, I, I don't, I, I don't have the mental capacity to see the highs and lows of crypto compared to the stock market. I rather just trade stocks and not trade crypto. But mm-hmm. um, shout out to those who do. But I, I rather um, just like let it sit and hold and grow. And um, it's just amazing to have seen my personal portfolio just 10x itself just within yeah. the last year. And I mean, I'm, I'm new to crypto. I, I, I just started like a little over a year ago and um, I'm so grateful that, you know, I've been able to learn um, through a discord group, shout out to all street investing uh, that I've been able to learn about not only Bitcoin, but altcoins like Ethereum and Cardano and, you know, Matic Polygon and like, and learning about different blockchains and different projects. And that kind of is what leads me to my next question for you. You know, I chatted with Azeem Khan in a previous podcast episode here on Black Girl Nerds about his project, Pollinate, which blends crowdfunding with crypto. And there's so many exciting new protocols out there. Is there one that specifically interests you? Um, I actually, I don't have one specifically, but I will tell you one uh, that somebody told me about, which was Moon Ripper, I think is what it was called. And I've been doing like a lot of research on them. And you know how, you know, when we first got introduced to Bitcoin, it was just like, oh, I like this, you know, I can work with this. But like, and seeing, you know, uh, the growth, like now that I've looked over into Again, like you said, we're not giving out any financial advice here at all. At all. But now looking at the growth of that particular coin, it's just like, wow. And even for my own self, like I'm creating my own coin. Um, wow. It's actually the first coin of its kind. Now, I can't go more into detail about what the coin is because I just know you always have your innovative um, leaders <laughs> that do listen, okay? Uh, even for us little guys, you know? I mean, you've been seeing it somewhere else and I'd be like, oh God, they took the idea. But yeah, we're, <laughs> we're creating our, 
we're creating our own Vipers coin. So you'll be seeing and hearing more about that very soon. You got to definitely come back and talk about that when it's out. Cause I'm, I'm, I'm just so excited that crypto gives people the freedom to do that, to create coins. Cause really all you need to have is some coding experience and, or, you mm-hmm. know, know someone who's a good web developer and um, you can create these, these coins and then, you know, build a community behind it, which you do have with your, your league. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's just amazing what people independently can do uh, in the cryptocurrency community. And it's, it's awesome. I have to check out Moon River. I've been hearing about Moon River for quite some time and I've not done my DD due diligence on that, (laughs) (laughs) on that token. Steadily growing like underneath our noses. And I just was like, okay. Cause I I heard about it a couple of times too. And I, you know, I keep up to date with a lot of, um, you know, the current crypto news and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. even though people weren't saying and mentioning it a lot, it was just like, okay, I think I should keep my eye on them. And like watching this, like growing, 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 like, you know, every, uh, any stock, any crypto, anything has its ups and its downs, but it's right. the, the, what they say, only the strong survive. Right. But That's- looking at the sustainability for a lot of these bigger coins versus them being a smaller coin, it was like, okay, you know, it's kind of like that. Um, you know, how you got your Kroger brand for stock. <laughs> and then you right. have like the actual, you know, Quaker Oats brand is like, give me the Kroger brand. Like, cause I know that's going to sustain. It's, it's a need right now for the economy, you know, with, you know, prices increasing and stuff like that. People will pick anything that's cheaper, but it's that it has volume because more people are purchasing it, you know, um, regardless if it's generic or not, like it's cutting costs and it has the same effect. So I just thought it was a pretty good um, coin to put on my watch list. And I'm glad I watched it. <laughs> so that's just something that, you know, to take a look at, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, I think for people listening, I, you know, some of the critics that I, I think I had talked to somebody or maybe argued with someone on Facebook about <laughs> cryptocurrency and, and I said it was the future and they were like, the future is money, but cryptocurrency is more than just money. It's, these projects that are actually doing some pretty cool things. Um, there's a protocol called ClimateDAO that uses carbon credits as a backing mm-hmm. for the coin, where you know they're basically helping to facilitate climate change, and you can invest in um, you know their project um, by you know being a part of uh, by by purchasing ClimateDAO, and I just think that that's pretty awesome. That here you are you're building financial wealth for yourself, but then you're also helping to fight um, climate change and advocate for climate change. So that project to me is pretty cool. Um, I, I'm curious to know, like, you know, what, what would you say to critics? Because one of the biggest things that people criticize about Bitcoin and, you know, cryptocurrency at large is the fact that it sucks a lot of energy and that it's not, cost effect or that it's not energy efficient for the environment. And then there's the also there's also the other criticism that, you know, it's a scam and, you know, kind of what we've been talking about earlier. Um, so what would you say to critics out there that don't understand <laughs> and say that it's wasteful um, about cryptocurrency to kind of get them on the right path this... or, or just, just feedback? Yeah. It, okay. So I, I got three things here. Okay. And, and all of them are probably going to be 
very cold. <laughs> so the first thing is cryptocurrency is innovative. Like we have to have innovative innovation. Like the, what I think people are trying to steer away from, they're trying to steer away from being a technology society. Okay. And like when you're looking at a technology society, China has been a technology society. Okay. So let's just start there. We have cruise line ships that are on the coast of the water blowing out all type of gas and smoke into the climate, okay? So if they're talking about having some type of climate change, not climate change, but it being bad for the environment, you have semi-trucks, okay, <laughs> that are on the ground, okay, that are still in the transport business and it's a necessity that we have them, right? Again, may not be the best for the environment. However, it's still a necessity. So. I guess I said that to basically say like everything that we deal with that is a requirement for us or will eventually be a requirement for us is going to come with some type of, you know, unfortunately, cold hard fact of how it hinders something else, you know. But I personally feel like critics may just be looking for any reason not to evolve to change. Like in instance with our money being all digital, the dollar, as soon as COVID hit, Look at what they did for the dollar bill. Look at what they did for change. Nice. Like you could even use change during COVID. So if there is hopefully ever, never another pandemic, okay? Right. But we see now where our currency stands in case of something like that. So if we were a more digital society, well, we probably could have minimized the exchange of $1 to another in which whatever was transferred from that dollar, you know, from contamination, it could have been done through our phones in which goes right back in our pocket, you know, like just that's something for critics to think about. Everything isn't always as bad as it may seem. Um, sometimes innovativeness can help minimize other greater things. So that's what I yeah. would say. I, I think that's brilliant. I think that's a great um, perspective. And I also think about just where we stand in the financial system with respect to banks and the mm -hmm. interest rates, how they've plummeted over the years. You know, back in the day, you had a pretty decent interest growing in your savings account when you put your money in a bank. Now, you'd be lucky if you get 2% a year. Uh, but yeah. through different protocols, like, for example, Ave, which is one that I just recently got in. Uh, I wish I did it a little earlier, but that's okay. Um, yeah. it You know, you can hold money in there and earn, you know, 7% or more on stable coins, which stable coins are coins that are backed by the US dollar and earn twice as much interest. And you can earn uh, interest on other coins like Matic, which is a, a great token for those that are interested in, you know, building, um, or swapping tokens or, you know, gaining tokens on the uh, Polygon network. So I just think it's interesting how cryptocurrency is allowing wealth in so many different ways. It's not just taking, buying the token and holding it, uh, but you can actually put your funds in a protocol, earn interest like a bank. You can borrow against yourself, which is what Ave does. You know, you can, you know, pay that you pay yourself back you can earn that interest it's just it, there's so many different tools out there um i also wanted to ask you too about gaming because that mm -hmm. is something that is really blowing up in the crypto verse uh 
metaverse actually. So, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of cross pollination between sports and gaming, right? E-sports. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Esports, e-sports the whole thing, <laughs> even yeah. entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what are your thoughts about that? Cause I'm, I've been so fascinated looking at all of the metaverse coins out there and just seeing how that has just completely uh, almost hundred X on some coins, uh, even just within the last month, um, especially with the recent announcement of Facebook changing its name to Meta. Uh, so, so what are your thoughts about the metaverse and um, also like Web 3.0 and everything that's sort of moving into this AI, uh, virtual reality, augmented reality world that we're going to be going to? I feel like it's beyond time for us to do that. Like you have guys like YouTube, right? Where you can literally post a video like this episode, if it goes on YouTube, you know, like depending on the amount of views, um, if you're monetized, you're getting money as a digital content creator, right? That's no different than e-gaming and gaming. Do you see what I'm saying? Like you're providing some type of content, you're, you're playing or you're, you know, I've seen some of the biggest partnerships, okay? in history come to e-gamers like i don't think people give e-gaming enough credit right on how much money you can make by having an e-sports team that was a lane that we were um at one point uh looking into and which we still are you know and i think it's it's time for a lot of that stuff like you got guys now like they're able to you know, to sit at home and, and be hundred thousand ears directly from their TV, from streaming live from their TV. Like yeah. if they're not going out of their house to, you know, to perform their job. Okay. They shouldn't have to go out of their house to deposit the money in the bank. Like literally that simple. <laughs> so I think crypto and e-gaming should go hand in hand. Like if I want to work digitally, then my money should be digital as well. I mean, we do direct deposit. Like, you know, right, for payments for our paychecks, like, I think being paid direct deposit as a crypto is no different. Like, and I'm saying that because, you know, I'm very happy and I keep telling all my friends, like, I'm finally monetized on Instagram now, right? So I was just like, yeah, now I'm an actual (laughs) digital content creator, right? So I just feel like it's a good thing. Um, I feel like when Meta decides that they want to venture out into that where they're paying digital content creators in crypto as well. I think stuff like that will help move the cryptocurrency society a little bit more, you know, a little bit more forward. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, once he mentioned the name change, uh, this particular token called uh, Decentraland, known as Mana, like went up like crazy. Which I had already had some in my portfolio because I was just, mm. I was just very intrigued by Mana. I was like, okay, this is very cool. That like the gamification of crypto is is fascinating to me. And then when mm-hmm. that thing went up, I was like, whoa, okay. <laughs> you like, thanks, Mana. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. I appreciate that. But it's 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 good to look into that too, because um, you know, people are in the future, if not already, uh, gonna get paid to play games. I mean, people are getting paid already to play games, right? Via Twitch or mm-hmm. streamers and stuff like that. But imagine getting paid to actually like play to earn. You know, you're you're getting these NFTs in this virtual reality world that you're playing the game for, and you can earn NFTs, you can sell those NFTs, and you're doing this in the privacy of your own home without using 
Twitch not without using a streaming partner necessarily mm-hmm. to build an audience. You're just making money off of playing a game in your home um, or maybe on an app on your phone or whatever. So I just find that aspect of it to be fascinating. It's like, there's so many opportunities to build wealth in the crypto space, whether you choose to go the gaming route, whether you choose to do the crowdfunding route, which is what Azeem's doing with Pollinate, or whether you choose to just uh, hold your money (laughs) in an Mm -hmm. interest bearing protocol like Aave, um, or go the activist route and get involved with climate Dow that's, you know, fighting for climate change. I just, there's so many aspects of crypto right now. It's just mind boggling to me. Um, and I'm so glad that I'm finally learning about it. I mean, I'm, I'm still learning. Like I'm not at the point where I'm like, okay, I'm an expert. No, uh, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm at the point where I'm just like, okay, um, I'm sort of in the mix of, of what's happening And um, to people that are listening, if you aren't in crypto and you feel like, well, everything is really high, I feel like I'm too late. You are not late. Like you're early. No, (laughs) (laughs) they're still early. And that's the crazy part, because it's been around for like five years and still we're, you know, we're still building that community and still, you know, gaining, I, I guess I could say like that trust, you know. I feel like it will be a point where big innovative leaders actually come out and admittedly say, like, I'm behind this coin, you know, like you, I mean, well, you got guys like Mark Cuban, you know, Mark Cuban, he, he admittedly, you know, speaks a lot about cryptocurrency. Like, and that's one thing that I do give him credit for is that he's, he is innovative. Like even the stuff that he does for the Mavericks, you know, he's, he's an innovative person. So I just like the fact that, you know, um, I want to say, don't quote me on this. Okay. But I want to say it was like Prada or Gucci, one of those two, um, they are starting to get more into like that cryptocurrency space. You know, like a lot of the stuff that and and I'm not saying that it's one over the other or one of the other. But, you know, a large a large amount of our um, shopping comes from the urban community, whether it's naive shopping, whether it's uneducated (laughs) shopping whether it's just regular shopping because we got the money to spend shopping, you know, but we are shoppers. Like we literally are helping a lot of things when um, we get extra money, you know, like, so for a lot of these bigger businesses, I think that they should have been in the cryptocurrency space because you have, you know, urbanized communities wearing Gucci and MCM and and Prada and Louis, you know, it's like, why are they not able to buy that crypto? they're still a part of the largest consumer, you know, purchasing in, in, in the world, you know, like, so I just think stuff like that. Um, but again, like you said, you know, in, in the opening arguments, right. We don't know, we're not educated enough to be able to say, okay, this is something that doesn't have bias nature on it. Right. If I walk into a bank and I say, I need to borrow $15,000, okay, let's go with whatever the situation could be, whether that means I get approved for my loan, whether that means I get, you know, uh, you know, an awkward greeting, you know, like you don't know what you're going to get because you're walking in face to face. But now you're talking about crypto where there's no face behind that. You know, it's like, here's the money. Here's what I'm trying to do. That's it. Like, and I think that more people, should take advantage of that because that's kind of what we're looking to do anyway as a collaborative, you know, a collaborative effort of 
mutual, right, and joint spending across the world, right? For so I think that would be I think that would be a good thing for us to know. So absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this was an amazing conversation to have with you. And I'm just so impressed by the work that you're doing. I have my fingers crossed for you on the NBA G League. I mean, you're going to get it. So I'm just going to speak it into existence. <laughs> like you, you, the you. ownership <laughs> is happening. Uh, where can our listeners learn more about your work, what you're doing, what projects you're going to be working on in the future and where they can contact you? So my Instagram is RJ White official. And um, if you were looking more for more information on the Vipers, even, you know, our whole press release and everything about Bitcoin, that's at VipersProBasketball.com. And we have Vipers Pro Ball for Instagram for the Vipers. RJ, thank you so much for coming on the Black Girl Nerds podcast. It was a pleasure. No, I thank you for having me. This was a very interesting conversation. I love when I can talk crypto because every time I say it now, they be like, what is it? Huh? I'm like... <laughs> Somebody else that I can have these conversations with. Thank goodness. So I thank you for having me. (laughs) The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.